Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Joining us today is Wayne Forrest. He's an international transformational speaker and life mastery consultant. In an inspiring TEDx talk, Wayne shares how in 1995, as a young adult, life literally hit him so hard it left him in a wheelchair as a C5 tetraplegic, the catalyst for his ongoing journey into personal development. Wayne's here today to share with us his amazing story of how he turned his pain into purpose, and we are so excited to talk to Wayne today. Good morning. Hi. (laughs) Is it morning for you? Yes, it is. It is. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Remind me, where exactly do you live? In New Zealand. We are the first born in the world, pretty much. We see the sun first. So we're we're in the future here. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. Never yeah. been there, but I would love to visit someday. Yeah. So tell us about you as a child. Were you adventurous? Very. I, I grew up in a farming background. My parents were uh, sheep and pea farmers on uh, the coast. The closest major town was like 45, 50 minutes away. So sort of reasonably isolated. And right from the early age, I was on the front of my grandfather's horse and always out and about on the farm. And so I created those kind of skills really early on in my life. So I could do a day's work on the farm probably at the age of 10, you know, and um, played sport. Had done my OE uh, at the age of uh, 20. Um, I'd been to England and Europe and come home, was engaged and got married, had twin daughters and running two businesses at the age of 25 and playing rugby for my local club. That can be quite dangerous rugby because my dad played rugby and he was always very proud of that. And he used to say how I have this scar right here from rugby and this scar right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty physical. I tell it in my TEDx story. Loved your TED talk a lot. Very powerful. You're a good speaker. Thank you, Mandy. Can you kind of go through that day? Yeah, I can. It was just a normal day in my life. You know, uh, I was running two businesses. I'd been working quite a lot. And I had friends visiting and my rugby team, I was one of the senior members of that team. I was asked to lead that team out on the field that day. Very proud and honoured to do that, of course. Coming from that upbringing of sport, rugby, farming and very ego sort of background, as well as a bit of drinking in there. Uh, And... Right at the end of the game, received the ball and I took it in contact with um, two of the opposition and and put myself in danger because they were trying to rip the ball off me. And um, my ego was saying, no, you're not going to get that ball. <laughs> There's no way. So I um, took it a little bit too far and put my body in, in danger and... Um, rolled over on my neck and dislocated my neck. And uh, the pain was incredible and I couldn't breathe. And uh, I had to wait around for well over an hour for emergency helicopter to 
get to me. And when they were loading me up into it, uh, the doctor that had traveled with the helicopter asked me if I'd had any pain relief, and I said no. And that's when he gave me some medicine. And uh, the rest is kind of patchy after that for about five days. And I remember waking up and thinking, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of a bad dream. You know, I couldn't move anything. I couldn't even move my arms at that stage so I was pretty much stuck in bed felt like I was upside down looking at the ceiling pretty much yeah it was that moment was just the realization of that was pretty scary and um, not being able to have the life that I used to have and being told by doctors uh, that I'd never walk again uh, I talk about that a little bit too, you know, that don't listen to that sort of stuff because that creates a belief and that belief is created, limits your possibility to create even more so because 27 years or 26 years down the track now I am and I've achieved everything that I put my mind to it. And so... Be very careful to not limit your belief system because a doctor says that you're not going to walk or that you've only got two months to live or eight months to live. Don't take on someone else's belief, even if he's a bloody medical professional, a professional in that area, because we are so bloody powerful. And I only know that sense of it in the last three years of what I've created through understanding and creating or keeping open part of the mind to that possibility of creating all sorts of miracles. Mm. Yeah, you know, it always frustrates me when I hear stories about people being told by doctors that they only have a certain amount of time to live My friend Kim had battled cancer twice and then got leukemia and they told her she only had six months and here she is six years later. She did say though, that the second that she was told that it motivated her to prove them wrong, but she was also a competitive lacrosse player. And so that was like, oh really, you're going to tell me that? Well, watch this. (laughs) But that's a very great point to bring up. Words are powerful you know, you've accomplished everything that you've wanted to accomplish. What are some things that you've chalked off your list? Well, the first one was going back to the farm. Most people said I wouldn't be able to run my farm again, but I did. I was able to manage that within a few short years. And the thing that made that possible was I got strong enough to drive again uh, and transfer from a wheelchair to a vehicle and um, that opened up that possibility of running the day-to-day farm and that was a big one for me because that made me understand that even though against the odds I achieved it and I've paraglided, I've whitewater rafted, I've done all sorts of activities extreme activities that are <laughs> at the limit and believe me I'm I'm a scaredy cat so I've had to really push myself through the fear to be able to achieve that 
I water skied on Heron Lake in London, uh, just outside of London City, and I nearly drowned the first time. And I would go white with fear. I knew it was safe, but I just didn't realize I wouldn't be able to turn over in the water. That was on the first day, and there was three days of this water skiing on this beautiful lake. It was really nice and warm. It was, it was a fantastic spot. But what that showed me was that if you can push through that fear, it's incredible. By the last day, I was skiing in the, on my own down the straits. I have no balance at all. I've, my head is my balance. My disability line is above my nipple line, you know, so... Um, no trunk, no balance at all. Sitting on a little sit ski that's only probably four inches wide, being pulled by this big fast boat, hanging on to a string that's pulling you, and you can't roll over in the water. So you can imagine the fear that creates, but the amazing feeling of creating that and pushing through that and coming out the other side was like I can do anything probably about five years afterwards my accident in the TEDx story I used the ski trip uh, as finding myself pushing myself through that fear of finding the courage again as a life master consultant my job is to bring out what a person would love Right. And that's the first goal. If you're wanting to change up your life and you're sick of the same old, same old, ask yourself this question. What would I love? Notice it's a totally different question to what do you think I can do? What do you think my family and friends think I can do? Or what does my education say I can do? Or what does my circumstances, situations say I can do? It's, we don't care about all that. It's what would you love? And go for that. Create a vision around that. Because that vision pulls you into that possibility if you come from it. And it's very, very powerful. And it's very scary because what's in our hearts is quite often the thing that is against the paradigm of thinking that I can't do that or that seems impossible yeah you have to step into that I'm so different it's interesting like ever since my like big traumatic near-death experience I am so careful I don't want to do anything extreme that I could get hurt doing. It terrifies me. I like to stay in my safe zone, not because I'm afraid of death, but just because I feel like, man, if something like that happens to me once, it could happen again and life is too short. It's, it's interesting. I, I've become a scaredy cat. <laughs> I almost feel like maybe I have, still have some trauma I need to look at because I get nervous about anything that takes a lot of adrenaline, even water skiing, I would never do it because the water being underwater just scares me because I can't breathe. I don't know. It's so funny. Like you would think that someone who endured something so traumatic 
would want to stay away from anything that could possibly harm you again. And when I started driving again and getting a little bit of independence, I lived out in the Wops, okay? What I mean by the Wops is banjo country, you know, way up. <laughs> I started driving again and I did the same thing. My mind was going, dun, 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 dun. what's going to go wrong? Uh, what happens? Because in those days, they had no cell phone coverage. So on my own, on metal roads, country roads, not many people on it. But for me to have independence, I had to push through that fear of driving down those roads. And I would have panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I would get halfway into town. One day I started to lose my vision and I had to pull over and on the side of the road. And I said to myself then, breathe yeah breathe right my vision had gone already mm -hmm. I blacked out and I'm telling myself to breathe and I started telling myself off <laughs> about, about how I had created that by my thinking it was my thinking that was creating that blackout that panic attack right mm -hmm. that anxiety yeah it was all created by the thought of, of what might go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to face up to that fear. And by facing up to that fear, Mandy, and taking a step towards it, then I started to get stronger and stronger and understand that it's my thinking that is creating my reality. And there's a what we call the results formula. Thinking creates our feelings. Our feelings obviously create that emotion in our body, which affects our physiology of our body, which then helps us take the action, right? So if we're feeling positive or expansive thoughts, our physiology is going to be or help us take a different step than if we're feeling depressed, anxious, scared, or afraid, right? And those action steps then create a result. It's called the law of cause and effect. And most people have heard this, but they don't understand it properly. And so when we've had a terrible experience like you and I have, Mandy, it's so easy to allow our thoughts to trap us in a box. And for me, I had lived two years before I could be strong enough to drive in a box. And I faced that box and I wanted to break out. I was lonely. I was living in the Watts. My wife had left me. My kids lived elsewhere. If I wanted to go and see them, I had to get someone to drive me. And I had this opportunity to create that independence again. Yet the fear was incredible to the point where I blacked out. But by having that one incident where I was blanking out because of the anxiety, it gave me the realization that I was creating it. And so then 
by giving myself the power of understanding that it's only my fear. How hard was it to ask for help? Because, you know, having that strong ego before probably when you needed help wasn't probably the easiest thing for you. No, that's a um, beautiful question and a great insight too, because yeah, hit it right on the nail. I found it very, very difficult. And, you know, that's the part of me, that shame and everything that went with the accident, I had it all down inside me because of not being able to ask for help or share my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's something that I've really learned. And I talk about this and I share three strategies and they are vision, decision, and mm-hmm. and sourcing help. Yeah, um, it's a hard Because, one. yeah, it is. When you've been brought up in that, background it doesn't come naturally well you think of it as a weakness but I mean what I have found that it actually it's very brave to ask for help it it is being able to be vulnerable enough yeah to actually source that and speak uh the truth as well you know my struggles uh at the time my my shame of not being the man I used to be, for me to be able to speak about that, that takes a lot of courage. That vulnerability is actually power. It it gives me power as well. What do you mean your wife left you like permanently or she just moved? My first, when my accident happened, I was 25, right? My marriage didn't survive the accident because I ended up being a totally different person. I look back now and I don't have any animosity towards my ex-wife. We had two beautiful little twin girls together who are now 28 or coming up 28 this year. And they're both going to have their own babies. One's already got two. She had her own fears and anxieties and her own little demons that she was dealing with. And the accident was just the catalyst of creating the opportunity for us to grow apart. And from there, I've remarried. I've got a beautiful wife and two more beautiful children. And, you know, life goes on and everything is, creates an opportunity. Now I can see that these opportunities have creating uh, amazing abilities or amazing opportunities from going through those horrible experiences. I always say there's a a blessing in every lesson. And it sounds like you definitely found the blessing in it. I do know from experience, sometimes when we're in the storm, though, it's really hard to see what the blessings are going to be. I love that you have found all those blessings. I want to ask, I know sometimes people can get frustrated when they hear like people complaining, you know, do you ever feel like, you know what, you're over there complaining about something and you have no idea what a struggle it's been for me. Like you're complaining that your feet hurt from walking at work. Well, I only wish that I could walk. Like, do you ever go into that and get frustrated with the nonstop complaining of people? 
I did in the early days, um, Andy, way back. Um, I don't now because I have a very spiritual understanding that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, right? And I understand now that this life is through me, but for me as well. So everybody that has got their shit is just perfect for their own evolution and who they are becoming. So when I hear someone else complaining about what's going on in their life, I don't see that as complaining. I see that as an opportunity. And every adversity, and it's in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, it's a book, and says every adversity is a seed of an equal or greater opportunity to create something even more powerful, right? So, and my mentor, Mary Morrissey, where I got certified as a coach through, she says, what happens in our lives is the curriculum of our evolution. And simply put, that means that whatever you're dealing with is just perfect for you to create even greater opportunity of growth and discovering who you truly are. And that yeah. is this beautiful spiritual being who's having this experience so you can create even more awareness of consciousness or love's presence that is breathing us all. So since this has happened, how has it changed you as a person that you maybe wouldn't have been involved in? Because you said that, you know, you were a farmer since you were in your diapers and then you did go back to that. But what amazing things have you added to your life because of this? Uh, It's really interesting. It's a great question because, you know, you never know, but I was going to be a farmer. I would have been a workaholic, physically working hard, going down those lines of that egotistical sort of lifestyle. And what the accident has done for me is made me realize that we are or have this amazing power inside of us, each one of us. We've got this amazing potential and I now help others discover that in themselves because of the discovery that I've created from my opportunity of of having dislocated my neck and ending up in a wheelchair. Um, I've created this amazing life. I've done all these amazing things. I've got four amazing children. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got two grandchildren and another on the way. Life is bloody good, even though I'm in a wheelchair. My health is great. All this power that I've gained and understood is by understanding that there is one power that's breathing us. I don't care what you call it. You can call it God, spirit, universe, Buddha. It doesn't matter to me what you call it, but 
there is one universal power and that is constantly trying to pull and push me through life so I can create that difference in humanity. Beautiful. You know, uh, got some horrific news today about a friend and it's really heavy on my heart right now because he has five children of his own and he took his own life this morning. And this whole time you've been talking, I keep hearing this word create. And I love that because how do we let someone as beautiful as he was when they're in the dark space know and realize that they have the power to create the life that they want? Because when we're in that dark space, I think us as humans have underestimated our power, like you're talking about that we can create what we want. First of all, I I send everybody that is affected by that love, you know. I've lost some good friends and it seems to be a bit of a pandemic of its own with suicide in our world, especially in the Western world. It's big in New Zealand as well. We were having a lot of young teenagers and that has an impact on everyone around them. So I send everybody in your community um, araha nui, which means big love uh, in Māori culture, which is our Indigenous language here in New Zealand. To answer your question, we have to be willing, especially males, to be vulnerable. We have to speak and understand it's okay to be vulnerable and speak our pain. We have to stand up. People like myself, we've all had our dark night. We've, you know, I've faced my dark night of being backed against that hole. And for some reason, I went the other way. I, I stepped away from the hole and stepped towards the light. But one thing I do know, and I've had a little bit of experience with having a little bit to do with organizations over here with with suicide. And as males, we have to speak up. We have to face our struggles and not think it's a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength to be vulnerable and speak our truth. Because if we do that, more and more also follow us and say, I feel the same way. I am feeling like I want to take my life. And as soon as they do that, then they're not hiding it anymore. The problem with suicide is, is that those thoughts have been pushed down and they've been pushed down and they're pushed down until they become a sickness. And then it's... It, a condition and so for any male or wife that's listening to this get your male partner to become vulnerable enough or ask him to listen to this and speak your truth of because we all have that little boy in us or little girl in us that is hurt 
and is talking to ourselves in our head saying that we're not good enough. We have to start giving ourselves power by first looking at that and then there is things that we can do. But first, we have to rip the scab off the real reason why this is happening. And it's because men don't think they're good enough and they aren't able to speak the truth of their struggles because they feel that it's not manly to be vulnerable. Yep, that is so true. And to show emotion, it's so sad. Because especially, like in this man's case, I can't imagine how many people he actually helped. I know he helped my son. It's just heartbreaking. Often we're helping outside of us, but you have to always like fill that cup up for yourself too and find that balance. You know, that's something, you know, having self-love, Mandy and I talk a lot about that. I mean, we could help everybody, you know, but if you're not caring for yourself, you're really helping other people, demonstrating to them that they need to care for themselves first. How do you feel about self-love? It's, I came from that background of ego, right? You know, farming, sport, drinking, uh, upmanship, you know. Uh, who's tougher, uh, who's, who can stand on there at the end of the night after drinking a bottle of whiskey, you know, that kind of background. The problem with that is that separation, right? And we're talking about love here. And firstly, uh, we have to love ourselves. Where do I start? There's so much about this. You know, there's so many layers of it. When you start peeling back the onion uh, and giving yourself the ability to love yourself, which I needed to do a hell of a lot of work. (laughs) The bigger the ego, the bigger the self-love is needed, right? (laughs) But the thing is, with working on yourself and learning to love yourself and understand where that perception of that pain came from. And and it's quite often in our first early years of four or five or or even three, you know, we got hurt as a little kid. We couldn't express it. Our perception at that time created this amazing pain inside of us. And I see you nodding your head, Shana. And, you know, like we often don't want even to look at it. If I asked you to look at that pain, you'd probably go, no, there, there goes the shake of the head, you know. Don't want Suck to look up. at that. <laughs> Suck it up. We'll, we'll just push that down. Keep pushing it down, right? And what does that do? It just makes, it just hides it. It's uh, allowing it to grow even stronger Super. deep inside us, right? This poor young man that's just taken his life, that's exactly what he was doing. He was pushing that pain down, which has then, because we've got this amazing brain, right? This brain is also ancient. It's got ability to watch out for fear, right? You'll notice that you enjoy the news, 
you enjoy soap operas because there's an element of fear mongering going on because it's attractive to our brain because that's how our brain's wired. Because back in the ancient days, we were preyed upon by saber-toothed tigers. And we had to be watching out for fear because our instincts, as soon as our instincts said, run, we had to run because we were dead, right? Yeah, right. Today, today, we've got the same brain, but we're looking out for the different kind of fear. That is what Shona is going to say about me. What are they talking about me? Or what are they doing over there? Right? We're worried about what everyone else is bloody thinking about us. And they are worried about what we're thinking about them. Right? So it's a nasty little circle because of that first real painful hurt that we had when Mm -hmm. we were looking. And then we've recreated it because we're always looking out for it. We've buried this big, painful thing way down in our gut. And we're trying to hide that. But because we're trying to hide it, we're always looking for it. And if we go back to the results formula, our thoughts create our feelings. And those feelings create that physiology in our body, right? And that creates our results then our brain is naturally trying to keep us safe from because we've got this fear down here in our gut that we're hiding. So it's recreating the same fear over and over and over in different experiences in our lives, okay? So that's why you keep getting the same old gutsy bloody boyfriend that you want to kick to the curb right that's why you're getting that's why you're getting in those relationships that are the same that's why you're getting the same friggin results you're always getting is because of the pain that you've pushed down deep inside you that you don't want to open up and don't want to look at because it's too friggin painful woohoo wayne you're, so, I love it. <laughs> what we need to do is give ourselves the space to look at that pain. It's called the dark night. We have to face our dark night. We have to stand up and face it. Let it be okay to look at that. Let it have the space just like any scab on your knee, right? We need to open it up to the ear, let it heal. If we give it space in our body and allow that to come to the surface, then we can heal it. And, but each one of us has that. And I don't think most of us understand what I've just said. Yeah. Hopefully that will help others open up and be vulnerable. What are some questions that like women can say to men to help them to open up? Men are funny creatures, right? (laughs) (laughs) You said it. (laughs) They 
wanting to be seen as strong and powerful and provider, okay? So we hide it. We, we want to hide it, right? For a woman, it's that unconditional love, okay? It's knowing that your woman's got your back, doesn't matter what. It's being supportive, the understanding that you will love him unconditionally, right? And giving him that brave place to be open with you, okay? Because if he can open up to you, that's a great start and open up to those fears. But it's bloody scary the first time for that man because he has to be vulnerable with the woman he wants to protect. Right? And his ego is telling him that, that she's not going to see him as a man. But I, I believe that the opposite happens. If that woman uh, loves that man, uh, by him being vulnerable, she'll even love him more um, because she'll get to understand him a lot more and it'll bring them closer. So being the place, the soft place where he can voice his interferes is, is what they can do. Beautifully said. Yeah. I find it very attractive. And if I could describe love, that I feel love at its highest energy when people are being vulnerable together, especially a man and a woman. So I, I totally agree. It, it just it creates this understanding and this connection and when they can get to a place of being vulnerable, it helps you to kind of see why they might act or do things the way they've done. So like, again, I can't reiterate it enough. It really creates this deep understanding. Yeah. You're awesome, um, Wayne. <laughs> oh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> we yeah. all are, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it is that we are all one. We might be man and female, but at the end of it, with just two beautiful souls having a human experience. And we're not meant to be separate. Ego is constantly trying to keep us apart. And if we understand that and create more love in this world for ourselves first, of course, and then for those around us. So does your ego still come out when you're trying to play competitive family games like Monopoly and stuff? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. So I can't, I can't, can't have the kids beating me. It's not as bad as it used to be, right? It's definitely not as bad as it used to be. And it's quite interesting because New Zealand is big on sport, right? New Zealand, we're well known around sport and punching above our weight. Okay, and everybody loves this sport. It's sport, the whole works. So I've got kids that are 12 and 14 at the moment, and obviously two older girls that are now 27. And so I've seen the how I used to act with 27-year-olds is so different to what I do now with the the younger ones. And but some of the parents. It's really interesting 
they really get into it. You know, they get really feisty, yelling on the sideline. Now I can actually observe it and go, wow, I was like that. (laughs) I have changed that philosophy a little bit and understand the principles of what's going on. And so I often just send out love to my kids. And I say to the main reason, as long as you really enjoy it, the good thing about competition, it can be really good as long as it's bringing the opposition up as well. And it's not pushing them down. I love what Sly uh, said about uh, what was the Terminator? Uh, I've forgotten this. Oh, you mean Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, yeah. I loved what Sly said about their relationship. They used to hate each other. And uh, one day they went for a cup of coffee, and, he, and Sly was thinking, I don't want to have a cup of coffee with you. I don't want to be friends with you, you know, because they're quite often going for the same movie parts back in the day. Right. And the competition between the two of them. He really respects that relationship now because he realizes that the competition has helped them both grow Mm -hmm. and get better and better as actors, right? Yeah, Uh, right. And if we look at competition that way, that we're yeah. actually bringing up the opposition with us. Like that and, positive polarity. Yeah, instead of trying to push the opposition down yeah. uh, and stand on them, you know. And I quite like that. Uh, we had an incident here with my little fellow's mini ball, which is basketball. And the parents were going nuts on the sideline. The opposition had... Uh, brought in two ringers that were quite good from a team above against our kids team and Mm. there was all sorts of bullshit going on about you know they shouldn't have done this shouldn't have done that and my son said to me the next day because my son's team lost by one or two goals because of the two ringers Mm -hmm. and I said mate but did you really enjoy that game and he said, yeah. Do you think that game would have been better if you had thrashed them? You know? And he went, yeah. no, I, I think it was really exciting because it was really close. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you know what? That team brought in two ringers, right? And you know what happened to your team? Your team played better than you've mm-hmm. ever played before in the season because you were so determined to beat them, right? actually brought your team up and you all played out of your skin. I said, you should be really proud of yourselves. You know, okay, you lost. But man, what an exciting game. Instead of going, they mm-hmm. cheated or whatever, you know. And if we start looking at competition that way, then uh, we're creating love for everybody. Gosh, that's kind of like what you did. You had to... You had to come up. You're not that crazy country that chases the cheese down the hills, are you? No, no. I don't <laughs> know that one. That That's England, isn't it? That, that is so dangerous. Have you ever watched them do that? It is the craziest, most competitive, insane thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, they're just big rolling piece of cheese and hundreds of people go chasing it down this hill, tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. 
<laughs> Humans are such strange people. Oh, aren't we? Aren't we? But aren't we so beautiful? And we are all the same. We just have all got this beautiful, unique expression and unique purpose and unique skill set. Yeah. Find what you love by asking that question because you have this unique expression, doesn't matter who you are, to give to humanity and the world. Mm-hmm. That's why I love what I do, because I help people discover that and then live into that possibility. And I know from my experience that each one of us has this beautiful, unique purpose and expression to give to humanity in the world. You just need to find it. And the best way to find it, ask yourself, what would you love? Can you tell our listeners about your nonprofit and about your life mastery program and your website? First of all, nonprofit. I I started a nonprofit here locally. It's only here in my district at the moment, but we help support kids and schools to be able to survive in deep water to stop drownings here in New Zealand because we're two big islands. Uh, it's only two hours to the coast. Uh, there's plenty of lakes, rivers, and Uh, We're a very outdoor country and a lot of drownings happen. So it all started because my um, kids were swimming competition, swimming school. There were so many 11, 12-year-olds that were scared of the deep water. And so I went to some local authorities and started up a non-profit to help educate those kids and give them confidence in deep water. So that's how that started. My life mastery, I'm a life mastery consultant certified through the Brave Thinking Institute in LA, a lovely lady called Mary Morrissey. And I do uh, speaking engagements. I'm a transformational speaker. And I use those tools. They are spiritual principles to help discover the abundance that you can create in your own life. So that's pretty much what I do. And you can look me up on Facebook. It's Wayne Forrest with two R's, uh, Life Mastery. Or Instagram, Wayne Forrest NZ, two R's again. And my website, if anyone wants a, a free downloadable, all you have to do is put your email in, is wayneforrest.com. And it's called the Dream Life Blueprint. And it's a lovely little meditation that I suggest people listen to a couple of times a day. It's all about just three tools. It's a lovely little reminder and a great way to start the day and end the day with. Awesome. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. Beautiful. Curiosity. Curiosity. Be curious and go out there and ask different questions and be curious about what would you love. And everyone should check out and watch Wayne's TED Talk. It's very inspirational. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. You just have such a great soul and I'm so glad that you kept going. 
Thanks for putting your light out there and helping others. Wayne, thank you for the message that I received today, which is to create, to remember that we as humans are that powerful. We can create the world and the life and the purpose that we want. So remember that you are that powerful to create the life you want. Thank you, Wayne. Oh, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you for having me, guys. It's, It's been a pleasure. And uh, keep doing what you're doing in the world. It's making a difference. Much love to you guys as well. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.